Don't worry, I'm not going to make you write your own obituary right now. But uh, I wrote one for myself. It says, An amazing pastor, husband, father, and part-time superhero shuffled off this mortal coil yesterday while saving a whole city of people from a terrorist-initiated nuclear explosion by flying the bomb to a safe distance in an aircraft he built in his secret basement workshop. He was loved and admired by everyone with any brains and despised by people with bad senses of humor. His life was such an inspiration to so many, and the church he pastored was so motivated by his weekly sermons that they wholeheartedly devoted themselves to spreading the gospel leading to a citywide movement in which many thousands have been baptized and have begun spreading the good news of Jesus Christ to the rest of the world. That's a good one, huh? It's, it's interesting. You don't get to write your own obituary in person. Like, you don't get to write it yourself. But you do get to write it by living it. I guess most obituaries you read are full of flowery, you know, it's always kind of fluff, regardless of the person. Like, I don't think I've ever read an obituary that was negative. There might be some that just fill in the facts, but they're, they're usually filled with how wonderful and great they were and, and amazing. So probably the more realistic obituary is the one that we live, the one that people remember when they remember us. I, the truth is it really doesn't matter, though, what other people think. It doesn't matter what anybody else thinks of you, your, your friends, your family, your co-workers. It's nice to love and be loved by others, but the love that matters most is the love we get from God. And then through him, or through us, it gets passed on to other people. So obviously the love of God affects other people around us. And if you're living the life that Jesus called us to live, you're going to have some pretty good relationships and some really good connections with people. Others will hate you because of it. So, you know, in one sense, it's good to be loved by people because it means you're building relationships and making connections and helping to save lives. On the other hand, some people are going to hate you because of Jesus. They're going to mock you because of Jesus. They're going to want to hurt you because of Jesus. And in that sense, it really doesn't matter what they think. What matters is what God thinks. And it's, I, I think it's interesting they used Alfred Nobel as quite a story that he invented dynamite, which was used to kill a lot of people, but he read an obituary that was supposed to be about him, and he turned his life around of course, these days, it's kind of sad. I, I don't know if he'd be upset about the fact that they're giving Nobel Prizes out to anybody. They gave one to the president while he was in a war, right after he'd been elected. So he hadn't made any accomplishments, but they gave him a Peace Prize in the middle of a war. So it's kind of crazy. But if you think about the, the Nobel Peace Prize, it's a nice, it's a nice effort because they give some away for science and, and writings and philosophy and that kind of stuff. And they give the Peace Prize, which is the big one away. But none of those build the kingdom. Like, even the Nobel Peace Prize, which is an amazing prize if you could win it, and it comes with a cash prize, which would be really nice, but even that isn't going to change your eternal destiny. So there are even better prizes to go for than the, the Nobel Peace Prize. And it just goes to show that the really good investments are still those made in the kingdom of heaven and not anything here on earth. So, when you think of your obituary, I'm not going to make anybody write their obituary, but when you think of your obituary, think of how you live and how you've affected the people around you and ultimately what your obituary will be like, not in the newspapers, but in heaven. What's your obituary going to read like in heaven? Because everybody's obituary will be read. Even though you'll still be alive in the afterlife, we'll all go before God and, and, and He'll do the judgment and your obituary, which will be what you'll be judged by, will be read and it'll 
declare everything good and bad about you. So that's kind of interesting way to think about it. Don't think about your newspaper obituary or your funeral obituary. Think about the obituary that's going to be read in heaven. So it's it's worth thinking about what other people think. I mean, it's it's worth thinking not so much what other people think about your life, but what God thinks of your life. Um, I have prayed many times that the things that I've done for the Lord, that the the time that I've committed to ministry or to outreach or to whatever else that that everything that I've done, the talking to my friends, the communication that I do on on Facebook with people about God, that, that everything will make a difference in the lives of people, that my contributions to the kingdom of God would make him happy. And I've prayed that lots. God helped me to do to I remember when I used to pray almost every day, God help me to make you smile today. Help me to make you happy with my behavior. Help me to do something that matters. Help me to make a difference in the world that's that's a positive change. Help me to to save a life today, that kind of thing. I I have no desire to be rich and famous. I never have. I don't want to be a movie star. I think that would be just a big hassle. And I don't want to be a famous politician. I don't need political power. I have no desire for any of that. I I just want to see people saved by Jesus Christ. I've done all sorts of things in my life. I've traveled the globe. I've lived in in countries of, of various opulence. You know, I've I've lived in Saudi Arabia, I've lived in the middle of Africa, I've lived in America, of course, and seen all ranges of, of income that people live off of or die off of. I've, I've had all sorts of adventures. I've jumped out of airplanes. I've gone scuba diving and rock climbing and, you know, whatever. But the thing that I get most excited about is to see someone else's life changed by Jesus. Because I know how much it's affected my own life. And so to see somebody else come to know the Lord and have their life turned around because of that is the best part of, of anything. It's what I live for. And I look forward to that. So I pray, God, help me to, to, to make that kind of an impact. And, and, and I just want to see people put their trust in Jesus Christ. And so when I pray that to God, help me to do good, help me to make a difference, help me to help somebody else, help me to make you proud, God seems to give me the same answer every time. And it's basically just, do what you already know is the right thing to do. You already know how you're supposed to live. Like, you know, besides, you've got, you've got a conscience, but you've read the Bible before, so just do what it says. It's that simple. And, and, and if you're living a holy life before God, if you're studying the Bible and, and storing its truth in your brain and living it out in real life and, and, and then using that to save people and to build up the kingdom of God, if you're doing that, then it's, it's going to be real easy for God to use you because he'll, you'll already be doing His work. And, and if you want to get hired for a job, you know, if you're going out to do interviews or, or whatever to get employed, you're a lot more likely to gain the position if you have some knowledge about what you're going for, about the company you want to work for, if you have some experience. There's lots of times when people want experience. You've got to know how to do the job before you actually get the job. So, and they want you to show a desire to work there. They want you to show a desire to, to and a self-motivation to be able, someone who will be self-driven so you don't have to have somebody behind you all the time saying, do this, do that, do this. They want people who are motivated, who, are, who, are, um, who, who know how to do what they're supposed to get done, and they want that to be a part of your character. That's what an employer looks for. And so if you want to make a difference in the kingdom of God, then you don't want to be a spiritual couch potato. 
we've got biblical knowledge all over the place. We've got so many Christian resources at our hand, at our fingertips on the internet and, and things you can buy. We've got Christian bookstores all over the place. Things you can read, things you can learn, things you can, you're supposed to be able to change about your life. But there are a lot of people who will fill their brains with information and then not use it for anything. And that's kind of a spiritual couch potato. They know lots of stuff, but they're not doing anything with the information. And you don't want to be so wrapped up in the things of this world that you don't have the time or the inclination to serve the Lord instead of your own ambition. Instead of just entertaining yourself. So if you, if you really want to make a difference in the kingdom, you don't just sit on the couch and pray, God, use me today. You go out and do what you already know you ought to be doing. You go out, you read your Bible, and if it says to do something, you do something. So when Jesus said, go and make disciples, well, you just walk out the door and talk to somebody. It's that simple. And and so I'm not saying that you, you have to, that you, you can't study. I mean, obviously we want to study. You don't have to know everything before you become a Christian, before you start witnessing to people. Jesus sent his disciples out pretty early in, his, in the ministry, before they had much training. He just said, go out, learn on the job. And, and, G, and if you have a willing, committed heart, God has an amazing on-the-job training program. And that's probably the best way to learn is to go out and do it. Jesus can make you a, a brand new creation and fill you with the Holy Spirit and do amazing things in you and through you if you're just willing. And you show your willingness by doing what you already know, by taking advantage of the knowledge you have and putting it to work so that to whom something is giving, given and God says, to you've, you've been faithful with little, now let me give you more. If you're faithful with that, He'll probably give you more. If you're faithful with that, He'll give you more. And and remember that we don't do things to earn points. Doing things doesn't get us into heaven. Jesus Christ died and we get into heaven by His grace, which is a free gift. You can't earn your way into heaven. But we do things out of thankfulness, out of our desire, out of our love for the Lord, out of our love for the people around us who are dying. And and so we, we do these amazing things. And, and don't think that becoming a Christian is a one-time thing. It's not like you pray a prayer, you're a Christian, and then you go on about ordinary life. Becoming a Christian is kind of like getting married. Once you're married, you have to pour into your relationship or else your marriage is going to fall apart. And we see marriages falling apart all over the country. If you aren't committed every day to investing in your marriage and building up your marriage and communication and, and sacrifice and those things that are needed for any relationship to succeed, you know, once you say your I do's, if you want the relationship to continue, then every day you have to remember the promise that you made and think of some way to keep it. Think of ways to fulfill it. Because if you don't do anything, it's you know, like any machine, if you don't maintain it, it's going to break down and fail. And so you continue to demonstrate your love and your thankfulness by how you live and grow every day. And that's as a marriage, you do that as a spouse. You, as a Christian, you do that as a believer. You you show your love every day by learning and growing and putting into action what you've learned and and made a part of who you are. So that's that's worth thinking about when you think obituary. It's really as simple as doing what you know, and then learning some more and doing that, and learning some more and doing that, and you and you keep growing. There should never be a time in your life when you look back and think, I haven't done anything different. 
than I did last year. I haven't learned anything new than I did last year. You should always be learning and always be growing and always be doing something that's worth something in the kingdom of heaven. We've been blessed in so many ways as a, as a family. And every time we have a need, God fills it. Every time that God takes care of it. And it's just such a blessing to know that God's going to take care of us. God has given us more wealth than just money, of course. We've got two kids and one on the way and that we could never buy that and could never pay enough to have that. So it's amazing that we've got so many blessings. I don't know what you're doing with God's wealth. It's interesting. We're, we're called to be good stewards. We're called to take care of our families. We're called to you know, leave an inheritance to our children, so to speak. We're, we're called to be good financial managers of what God has given to us. And we're also called to give. So you've got to decide, well, how much do I need? How much do I need to live on and how much can I give? How much am I able? Because a lot of people will watch this and they'll think, oh, I don't, I don't know how I'm supposed to give any. I, I don't know how I'm supposed to pay my bills and give to the needy and give to the church and give. I don't know what I'm supposed to do. And then there are other people. When I watched this the first time years ago, I thought it was, an, it, w- it was a joyful thing. It was an opportunity for me to, to see the world in a whole new light that I don't live by my own sustainability. God sustains me. And therefore, I can give whatever He wants me to give and not have to worry about it because God's going to take care of me. If you think about it, we are... Uh, you remember the protests about the one percenters where people were camping out and saying that it's the one percenters that that are ruining the world because they have all the income and nobody else has it? Well, they, they were complaining about the one percenters of America because to be a one percenter around the world, if you make more than $34,000 a year, you are in the top one percent of the world. Because most people, 80% of the people in the world make less than $10 a day. 50%, half of the world's population makes less than $2 a day. That's 730 bucks a year. We are blessed. We are rich. I mean, compared to the world, we have so much money. And what do we do with it? Most of it we spend on ourselves. And we could probably spend a lot more on God's kingdom, on God's uses, on helping other people, on building the church, on doing outreach, on on taking care of widows and orphans and prisoners and things like that. So what are you doing with God's wealth? Because it's all His. Um, the scripture, Romans 12, starts off like this. It says, Therefore I exhort you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies as a sacrifice, alive, holy, and pleasing to God, which is your reasonable service. So God says, I'm just calling you to a reasonable amount of service. You don't have to kill yourself. I mean, some people have given their lives in sacrifice. But otherwise, unless God calls you to that, He's just saying, I just want your reasonable service. Don't be conformed to this present world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may test and approve what is the will of God, what is good and well and pleasing and perfect. In other words, don't think like the rest of the world. Think like my children, who I'm going to take care of and I'm going to watch over and I'm going to provide for. Think that way and you'll be doing what's good and well-pleasing. You'll know the will of God. You'll be perfect. God has given us so much. He's given us so much money. He's given us so much blessings. I mean, we all have more than we need. Our clothes, our homes, our cars, our 
The, the next verse, um, verse 3 in Romans 12 says, For by the grace given to me, I say to every one of you, not to think more highly of yourself than you ought to think, but to think with sober discernment, as God has distributed to each of you a measure of faith. For just as in one body we have many members, and not all the members serve the same function, so we who are many are one body in Christ. And individually we are members who belong to one another. And we have different gifts according to the grace given to us. So we're, we're not all the same. We all have different abilities. We all have different gifts. We all have different amounts of money. We're all called to do and give differently. But we're all called to be a part of the same thing and to be working for the same goals. Um, verse 7 says, If your gift is service, he must serve. If it is teaching, he must teach. If it is exhortation, he must exhort. If it is contributing... He must do so with sincerity. If it is leadership, he must do so with diligence. If it is mercy, he must do so with cheerfulness. Now that's not to say some people are gifted with mercy and nobody else is supposed to be merciful. Some people are gifted with giving and nobody else is supposed to give. We're all supposed to be doing these things. Some people are just extra special at it. Some of us, can, all of us could run at one point in our lives. But some people can run in an Olympic race. So God blesses some people over in abundance so that they can do what He's called them to do. Of course, we're all called to give. We're all called to share. We're all, but God gives an extra measure to people who are really good at it, who have done it faithful and have shown their, their, that they can be trusted. And so God pours it on because He knows that they can pour it out. And, and so some people are really good givers, but there are things like that that every believer should be doing. We all should be giving. We all should be witnessing. We all should be reaching out to those in need. The next verse 9 says, Love must be without hypocrisy. Abhor what is evil. Cling to what is good. Be devoted to one another with mutual love, showing eagerness in honoring one another. Do not lag in zeal. Be enthusiastic in spirit. Serve the Lord. Rejoice in hope. Endure in suffering. Persist in prayer. Contribute to the needs of the saints. Pursue hospitality. Bless those who persecute you. Bless and do not curse. Rejoice with those who rejoice. Weep with those who weep. Live in harmony with one another. Do not be haughty, but associate with the lowly. Do not be conceited. Do not repay anyone evil for evil. Consider what is good before all people. If possible, so far as it depends on you, live peaceably with all people. Do not avenge yourselves, dear friends, but give place to God's wrath. For it is written, Vengeance is mine, I will repay, says the Lord. Rather, if your enemy is hungry, feed him. If he is thirsty, give him a drink. For in doing so, this will be heaping burning coals on his head. Do not be overcome by evil, but overcome evil with good. Five minutes after I die, I hope that there's more that's been useful in my life than has been wasted. Because I've wasted a lot in my lifetime. And I hope that I can make up for it. I mean, it's not like it's going to earn me any more points. Uh, you know, that's not what gets me into heaven. But I really hope that when I do stand before God, that I can not be too remorseful about what I didn't do. The things that I could have done that I didn't do. I really want to be able to just cheer in the things that I did do because I took advantage of that opportunity to do it. Because now it is, is our chance to do that. Now is our chance to do good. We, we give as a family. We, we've support, I mean, besides the church, of course, we support the church, but pretty much every missionary that's ever come to this church, we enjoy supporting. We support missionaries outside the church. We support the Rockford Rescue Mission. We've, we've 
given to, there was a, a food pantry in Rochelle that we were a part of. There's so many people that it's, it's just a joy to be able to give to. We, I've had compassion kids for years and years. I've had a number of compassion kids that, we, that I sponsored you know, before I was married that I had a compassion kid and they would graduate and then I'd get another one. And our last one that we had graduated, she actually has gone to college through compassion. She's able to you know, leave the poverty behind and grow up as from a little girl to a young woman and now she's going to college because compassion is supporting her. So this week, do you want to bring up the picture? We, we didn't have a, a kid to support, so this week Adelaide helped us to bring up to pick a new girl that we're going to be sponsors of, and I just thought I'd share that with you guys. Her name is, it's really hard, it's Nai Yizu Mujambi. And I'm not sure what that means, but when I, she's from Rwanda, and when I kind of did some, some trying to decipher the language, Nai means she is. Yizu or Yezu means Jesus. Now, I'm not sure because the spelling is a little different, but then Umujambi means um, like planned or purposed, that kind of thing. So I kind of think her name means she is purposed, she is Jesus' plan, she is Jesus' purpose, sort of thing. Anyway, that's our new little girl. She's got the exact same birthday as Adelaide, so it'll be kind of fun. You know, lots of parents have used that argument clean your plate because there are kids starving in Africa. Well, there's going to be a little girl the exact same age as Adelaide who she's going to grow up supporting and, and be a part of taking care of somebody else and being responsible. And it's going to be fun. I have a stack of letters at home. I meant to bring some today from kids who have written me because they write. They draw pictures and write letters and, and you get to see what they're doing and find out, you know, if you give a Christmas gift, you know, if you send a kid like this 20 bucks, they buy so much stuff. They buy outfits and they buy animals for their family and they take the whole family out to eat and it's amazing what they can do with the with the money that they get. And so she's going to school through a compassion school. She'll be, you know, involved in church activities, so they always make sure they're they're taught Jesus and grow up in that love. But it's 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 thirty eight bucks a month is what it costs to to bring someone out of poverty and teach them the love of Jesus. And it's just an amazing opportunity to be able to do that. And so for me, it's fun. It's a joy. And Adelaide got, I mean, Jenna was a part of it when he got married, but now our kids are going to be a part of it and they're going to grow up. And Adelaide already offered, can I give her some of my quarters? I said, yeah, you sure can give her some of your quarters. And so doing this and giving is just such a blessing. And when we need, God always fills the gaps for us. I mean, we have more than we need. And so I'd just like to encourage you guys that we've got missionaries who are out preaching the gospel every day that are part of our extended church family. We've got their, their things up. The church, our church, reaches out to, to widows. Our church reaches out to the, the people in Rockford Rescue Mission. Our church does so much work as a church. And you guys are the... So you guys are the ones that help this to happen. You guys are the ones that support this ministry as a church who, I mean, obviously... If you give, you maintain the building so that we can meet here every week. But you do so much more than that. If you guys give to the missionaries, you are helping to preach the gospel to, in, in, to college campuses and on, to places all around the world. If you guys do these kinds of things, you can make an impact just through giving. It's one of the easiest ways to make an impact because you have an overabundance because God has blessed us so much that we can help with our excess. And so... 
I just want to encourage you that, that, that it, there is a pleasure. And there's a pleasure. You feel God's pleasure when, you, when you're a part of it. And if you don't get that, try it out. Pray to God and ask Him to, you know, ask Him what you, you can do to make a difference. And then just do it. Step out in faith and do some giving. And I hope you will. And I hope you'll feel God's pleasure. And if you need more details or information on things that you can do specifically, I'm glad to share, you know, things like compassion and, and other places that we give. But, but God can help you. I mean, all you've got to do is pray and then do it. So let's pray right now, and then we'll do it. Lord, we thank you so much for your... We are blessed beyond compare as a, as a nation. You have given us so much that it, it's amazing to think that, that if we have more than $730 a year, we're doing better than half the world. That it's, it's mind-boggling how much we have if we really stop to think how we compare to the world around us. You have blessed this nation in so many ways and you've blessed this church in so many ways. And God, we pray that you would help us to be good givers, that you would help us to make a difference in your kingdom, that you would help us to make you proud with all the resources that you've given us. And not just our, yes, with our money, but also with our time and our talents and who we are. We pray that you would help us to give of our, of our finances, to give of ourselves, to give of our, our compassion, to give of our are caring to other people, I pray that you would help us to live like you because you're the one that give us. We couldn't give if you hadn't given to us. And you've offered us life and salvation and your grace and you've offered us so many other blessings beyond that. And I pray that you would help us to live like you and to give like you. And so that when we get to heaven and read our heavenly obituary five minutes after we die, that we could rejoice with the rest of heaven in how we were able to use what you gave us. God, help us to do a good job because we love you. In your name we pray, Jesus. Amen.